Hi, and welcome to the National Shooting Sports Foundation's podcast series, Gun Industry Speaks. As the trade association for the firearms and ammunition industry, we're often talked about in the news and on social media. Throughout this series, we will be speaking for ourselves. We will cover who we represent, what our goals are, and what we do to promote real solutions for safer communities. My name is Elizabeth McGuigan, and I'm the Director of Policy and Legislative Research for NSSF. I'm here with our President, Joe Bartosi. If you're just joining us, we would recommend going back and starting with our first episode, in which we covered who we are as the Trade Association for the Firearms and Ammunition Industry. Today, we're focused on an emotionally charged policy debate, so-called assault weapon bans. Before we get into the policies themselves, there's some context and some definitions that we need. Joe, can you talk about what gun control advocates call assault weapons and a little bit about their history? Yeah, assault weapons are referred to in the general sense today mm -hmm. as a semi-automatic rifle okay. that will accept a detachable magazine, mm -hmm. plus some additional features such as a pistol grip to grip the firearm, mm -hmm. that would be in behind the trigger area, uh, as well as perhaps a folding or telescoping stock, a thread, a barrel, a threaded uh, feature, mm -hmm. and um, a bayonet mount, things like that. But typically, the most basic thing is a semi-automatic rifle with the ability to take a detachable magazine uh, is, is what you hear most often talked about today. Okay. And what do we call those? <laughs> we don't agree with the term assault weapon. What, what is the term of art in industry for those types of rifles? Right. The, the term assault weapon is derogatory. Right. It's, it's, d it's decidedly... Uh, antagonistic mm -hmm. towards gun owners and those people that use modern sporting rifles, which is the term that the industry uses right. to describe its, its products. And how long have these been around in the marketplace? Semi-automatic firearms have been around um, in general use, common use, for about 100 years, a little over oh, 100 wow. years, okay. and that would be shotguns, rifles, right. and handguns uh, in the, with the semi-automatic uh, action. So it's not new tech, any stretch of the imagination. Not at all, not new tech at all. Now, what's the difference between a machine gun and a semi-automatic? Because you hear the news, and uh, one would think they're sort of interchangeable terms. Yeah, no, they're not interchangeable terms in the way they're used today. Now, mm -hmm. go back 70, 80 years ago, uh, assault weapon was a particular style of machine gun, fully automatic. That is, you press and hold the trigger, and the shots keep going. There's mm -hmm. no other action required by the user. It's a fully automatic machine gun. Um, what they're talking about today with assault weapons is semi-automatic. That is, one pull of the trigger for yields only one shot. Okay, big difference. Big difference. Yeah. So as you talked about, there's a lot of maybe cosmetic similarities between something that you would see on, you know, a war field like a machine gun versus something you would see in a civilian gun shop like a semi-automatic rifle. Um, what what can you tell me about these cosmetic similarities in terms of um, the historic trend of civilian firearms? Well, the trend has been that civilian firearms typically mirror or track what we see from the military. Mm -hmm. And that's not, uh, not really all that unusual because the same manufacturers that manufacture for the military are subsidizing that work with sure. the work on the commercial market. Mm -hmm. The military doesn't buy enough guns to support factories, mm -hmm. uh, so there is, there is the, uh, the consumer version, uh, non-automatic. Right, different non function. Exactly, <laughs> not designed or tested for the battlefield, Correct. but for a civilian market, mar uh, marketplace, 
okay. uh, for target shooting, self-defense, mm. uh, and hunting, frankly. Okay. Now here at NSSF, we hear a lot about modern sporting rifles, um, and not just when one happens to be misused in a fortunately rare tragedy or crime. Uh, what can you tell us about the popularity or the market size for these um, everyday law-abiding citizens who purchase modern sporting rifles? I think, I think it's important to kind of go back again, as we yeah. touched on a little bit earlier, that this type of rifle, the mm -hmm. modern sporting rifle, has been in commercial, uh, the commercial marketplace mm -hmm. since 1963. Wow. 1963, okay. Colt came out with their AR-15 Sporter, mm -hmm. um, and so it's been you know, almost 60 years sure. that these products have been available. So they're not new. Not they didn't drop from the sky last evening. Um, they've been around for a long time. We estimate at this moment uh, that there are roughly 16 million, okay. 16 million uh, modern sporting rifles in circulation throughout the country. So these and are owned by civilians. Owned by civilians. Right. Absolutely. This does not include military or law enforcement right. versions, which, which are different in some, in some functioning mm -hmm. or capabilities. But, but technically, we've got about 16 million okay. that the consumer uh, marketplace has absorbed in the last 55 to 60 years. Oh, so that's a pretty big market, and these are one of the top-selling firearms, right? These are pretty popular Absolutely, products. absolutely uh, the, the most popular rifle being sold today. Okay. Now, despite this popularity, um, states and some folks in Congress want to ban MSRs. So could you tell us a little bit about, do bans achieve the goal of reducing crime that we all have? Well, we, we saw, we had a 10-year window where mm -hmm. we were able to measure and assess whether or not that ban had any impact on crime. And the studies that came back. And that was on the national level. At the national yeah. level. The studies that came back at the national level suggest that, A, first of all, these types of firearms were rarely used in crimes, mm -hmm. right. and that remains the case today. Mm -hmm. It remained the case before the ban, it remained the case during the ban, and it remains the case today. So sure. very, these are very rarely used. Uh, there was another study that was done by the Center, the Center for Disease Control mm -hmm. that indicated uh, they had 51 data points. They measured okay. 51 different laws and measured the effect of the ban uh, during the 10 years it was in effect, mm -hmm. and they found there was no impact on crime. Wow. Uh, gun crimes were dropping in the 90s. Gun crimes continue to drop even to today. So there was no impact uh, on the on crime when this ban was in effect, and right. frankly, after after it ceased being in effect. That's great. Well, we love seeing those numbers go down. That's for sure. Now, I wanted to talk uh, for a moment about something you said too about how they're rarely used or misused by criminals. Now, I looked at the FBI's latest crime data from 2017, when there were just over 15,000 homicides. Um, now, rifles of any kind, whether they were modern sporting rifles or other types of rifles, they were only used in about 3% of homicides. More people were actually killed by hands or feet. Um, and in fact, if you look at knives, hands, feet, and other non-gun weapons, it represents a full third of all homicides that year, 10 times the number of rifle homicides. So as you said, this is not the tool of, uh, of preference for criminals, for sure. But obviously, any time a person is killed is a tragedy. But we know that no one is talking about banning knives or restricting hands or feet capacity. So when did the whole concept of banning MSRs start? It started, um, we, would, we would point to the late 1980s. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a group called the National Coalition to Ban Handguns. Okay. They started uh, down the path of trying to get rid of handguns. Right. That was their mission. 
um, I think they realized pretty, pretty quickly that mm -hmm. that was not going to happen since so many millions of law-abiding citizens own handguns for a variety of reasons, sure. not the least of which is self-defense, that this was probably going to be a non-starter politically for them. That's when they invented the term mm -hmm. or reimagined or reinvented the term assault weapons. They deliberately used that term in a derogatory fashion mm -hmm. to truthfully confuse consumers into believing, well, if it looks like a machine gun, right. it must be a machine gun, and then they could take the emotional high ground and sure. try to get these things banned because, frankly, so many consumers don't know mm -hmm. the mechanical differences between a machine gun and a semi-automatic firearm. Right. Um, so that it was easy, kind of an easier lift for them to say, look how, look how menacing, look how look bad scary. these guns it's look. They look black scary. Metal. It's exactly. Short. So they they took that approach, mm -hmm. and of course we saw it gain some traction. Um, but again, the point that we have to keep coming back to is that this style of rifle, this mechanism, right. A, the mechanism's been around for over 100 years, mm -hmm. okay? Semi-automatic firearms have been around for 100 years plus. Right, right. This style rifle, in particular, mm -hmm. been on the commercial market since 1963. So, okay. you know, over well over 50 years on the market. There's something else going on here. Right, so guns right? haven't changed. Guns haven't changed, right. but something else has. We, in the industry, are disgusted mm -hmm. by these random acts, seemingly random acts of violence, yeah. these acts that are predicated on hatred mm -hmm. and bigotry and so forth. We we absolutely hate these things. We hate to see our products used in an unlawful manner. Right. But the fact these guns didn't fall from the sky yesterday, mm -hmm. they've been around, something else in our national dialogue has changed. Something else with people has changed. We're trying to figure out what is the cause of this? Mm -hmm. So, um, again, the guns haven't changed, they've been around, but something else has happened, and we need to take a look at that and figure out why people are doing what they're doing. Right, right. Well, it's, it, as you said, so important to try to figure out the root causes of violence and of any kind of criminal activity. Forget about these horrible mass tragedies that we hear about way too often. Now, from the gun industry's perspective, what does work? What are we doing to help? prevent guns from getting in the wrong hands. Whatever type of gun it is could be misused by a criminal. What do we do to help prevent that? Right, there's a number of things that we're working on right now. The point that you, you made is this, access to mm -hmm. firearms by prohibited persons or at-risk individuals, right. people with mental illness. We have to really work hard to keep these guns out of the wrong hands. Mm -hmm. The industry is doing that. We have a number of programs that are designed to keep guns out of the wrong hands. I'll just give you just a couple of things. Yeah, please do. Um, we have what's called Don't Lie for the Other Guy. That's mm -hmm. a 19-year, we've been running this for 19 years. Right. Uh, we do it in conjunction with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Mm -hmm. And that is we train gun shops, that is retail gun shops where they sell firearms, right. how to spot illegal straw purchases. Okay, that is someone who comes in to buy a gun who is otherwise prohibited. Okay. So the dealers are trained in, in ways to identify these types mm -hmm. of things and to stop this, the purchase right at that point in time before the person ever gets the gun. That's so so we, we've mailed out uh, DVDs and literature and training mm -hmm. to these shops and um, the ATF has been very in favor of this program and it's been working very well for nearly 20 years now. Fantastic. Uh, we've got Don't Lie, I mean uh, Project Child Safe, sure, which is a 20 year program mm -hmm. of giving away uh, with our law enforcement partners uh, over 38 million gun locks. 
again, preventing access by people who are prohibited from having firearms. So many of these tragedies, right. if the guns were locked when not being used mm -hmm. by the lawful owner, so many of these tragedies could, be, could have been avoided by simply locking the gun up um, and preventing access. Right. We've got uh, Fix Nix, which is a program where we started in order to get the disqualifying background record information mm -hmm. into the, the National Instant Check System. Very important that when a dealer does a transfer mm -hmm. at a gun shop, that he or she knows that the, the information that comes back in that Nix background check is accurate and right. complete and up right. to date. So we changed the law in 16 states to make sure it was just that. Several states, there were 19 of them that we identified as mm -hmm. being problematic. We changed the laws in 16 of them. We've still got a few more so states far, to work on. So far, still working. So far. Right. Um, but that has a big, that's a big deal. It we is. went, we increased the records in mm -hmm. the system the by 220 percent. Right. Just, that's the industry, not the right. government. Right. That's the industry working with state legislatures mm -hmm. around the country to improve those records. And that's it's only in three thing. years. It's exactly right. In three years, we were able to accomplish quite a bit. Uh, we've got Operation Secure Store, mm -hmm. which prevents burglaries and thefts from gun dealers. Uh, really a, a newer, newer program, about two years out okay. on this program. Uh, again, in partnership with the ATF. But again, preventing criminals from going in, smashing their way right. into a gun shop and stealing guns. So again, it's preventing access mm -hmm. that's really important. And of course, we have our suicide prevention efforts. Okay. We're working together with the Association, um, American Foundation for F Suicide Prevention, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, to um, help educate people on mm -hmm. how to prevent suicides, and particularly with, with firearms. Sure, sure. That's, that's all important information. And a lot of these programs we are going to go into in further detail in, in additional episodes as well. But overall, we know that these programs, unlike bans on modern sporting rifles, do help achieve what we all want, which is real solutions for safer communities. You know, as an industry, we see that crime control legislation needs to be based on facts, not on emotions, not on the appearance of a particular piece of hardware. Um, Semi-automatic firearms are now the most popular type of firearm in America and are used for a wide variety of legitimate, healthy purposes, including hunting, small game control if you're a farmer, target shooting, personal defense. Um, and in future episodes, like I said, we'll go back through these key programs that we're developing that will help to get to the actual solutions to the root causes of problems that we have in our society. But that's all of our time for today. So I wanted to say thanks to Joe and thank you for listening. And please join us next time for another deep dive into the issues facing our communities today and how the gun industry is working for real solutions for safer communities.